From the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, April 25th, 2017. Today's show is presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. From designing to printing, Beantown Athletics does it all. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now to get a free quote for your customized apparel. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. At DraftKings, every day is a brand new season, especially during the Major League Baseball season, and it's easy. You just fill out your lineup, two starting pitches, three outfielders, and the rest of your infield, and then follow the action live on your DraftKings app. Now, I don't play regular fantasy baseball anymore. It's just something I don't do because the season's too long. And if you do have a good fantasy baseball team, guess what? You don't see your reward until the end of the season. That's no good. At DraftKings, that's not an issue. You can put together a different lineup every single day. In fact, you can put together more than one different lineup every single day with a chance to win big money every single night. And it's not just baseball. DraftKings has something for everybody, even during the Stanley Cup playoffs and NBA playoffs. So what are you waiting for? Go to DraftKings.com right now or download their app and play for free by using my promo code PICK. That's P. I see. I should also let you know, as part of our new partnership with Luke Belair, every in-studio guest will receive a bottle of Luke Belair Rosé. So with that, I bring in ESPN NFL insider Field Yates. Field, what's going on? How you doing? Danny, how are you, man? It's I'm been good. way too long. I know. Um, how you been? I think you're good. Yeah. Fired up for the draft. Just a couple days away now. A couple days. Philadelphia, I'm sure, will be a great place to have it. I mean, listen, anytime you, you match a team that has a top 15 pick, which mm-hmm. they do after that trade with the Browns last draft uh, and the subsequent trade with the Vikings uh, or before the season, with a city that cares about its sports like Philadelphia does, you're bound to have an exciting three days of action. You'll be in Bristol, though. I'll be in Bristol, Connecticut, which is which feels like my second home, maybe my first home in some days. And you're not complaining about that. No, I'm, not, I'm good with it. Listen, <laughs> I, listen I'm part, I, as long as we're part of the draft mix, we're good with it. And I would say about like the life of, of living like sort of half in Boston, half in Bristol, I go down there, I lock in. That's my time. You know, we, I like to work a lot anyways, but mm-hmm. that's the time to work. You don't have to worry about uh, you know detractions down there. All right, we can see on NFL Insiders, Sports Center. Uh, you have a fantasy football podcast with yeah. Matthew Berry, right? right? Yeah, we're doing a couple podcasts after the draft. We'll be doing a couple – uh, one for the recap of the draft, mm-hmm. and then actually maybe maybe two subsequent podcasts after that, in which we reveal our rankings, our initial Ooh. rankings for the upcoming season. It's crazy to think that we're what five five and a half months from the start of NFL regular season action, and people are already desperate for, and we are churning out uh, positional rankings. People love that stuff, and I mean I do too. I'm 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 just in that I'm in that boat. As somebody who covers the NFL, yep. Do you ever get upset that the NFL is twenty four seven, three sixty five? Like, do what? When is your time off? Because you would think, all right, the season's over, and between that period and then before the draft, you get some time off. But really, with the off season and, and all, I mean, they have the date in which they're going to release the schedule. They had a date in which they released the preseason schedule. Then they released the schedule. I have it in front of me. We'll we'll get to it uh, if we have enough time. But I mean. How do you how do you like this three sixty five twenty four seven NFL schedule? First thing I'd say is that you know the NFL's quietest period typically aligns with my favorite time of the year, which is the summer. It's you know June fifteenth to July thirtieth, or whenever teams report to training camp each year, tends to be the quietest 
five to six weeks, it often aligns with when coaches get vacation as well. Mm. They're away from the office. Players are away from the facility. You've got a chance to get away a little bit and get off the grid. Now, things can change. Certainly, we've seen notable stories transpire over the summer that can all of a sudden turn your summer upside down. Uh, the second thing is I think it's just a matter of picking and choosing your spots, right? Like during the off season, you got to accept that there's going to be a, a bad Saturday when you think you have this whole day lined up and you got something fun planned, and then the next thing you know, player gets traded, player gets cut, whatever it is. But there's also going to be some stretches where, you know, I've been home for the past couple of weeks now in Boston. It's been draft prep, but it hasn't required me to be in an office specifically. So being able to work from wherever you want, mm-hmm. that, that's not bad right there. It's not, not a bad trade-off for what the season presents, which is basically, you know, 20 weeks of all go all the time. And you have your phone in front of you right now, yeah. and it's going to be buzzing, or at least you're expecting to get some stuff here, right? I'm hoping. Listen, in I'm the next hour? To, I'm, that's right. I'm hoping in the next hour here we'll have some information that we can talk about uh, or we can move the needle with because uh, the NFL, that's the one thing, is uh, – I find there's two buckets, right? There's the expected news and there's the unexpected mm. news. And some days you kind of have a sense of the expected news. And this week, because it's the draft, you're expecting news. Stuff's going to happen. I mean, it's it's only, you know, we're not even to the, the day before the draft, and there's already been a lot of stuff that's happened this week. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have to let the people know, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, and it will be released Tuesday, late Monday night, early Tuesday yep. morning. So that's why... Uh, at the beginning, I, I say this is a, a Tuesday podcast. I already recorded Mondays earlier today. Hey, check that out. Because I absolutely crushed Dustin Pedroia. But we're not going to get into baseball. We'll stick with football. Uh, though I don't, You don't want to get into basketball, right? Even though Adam Schefter is covering the NBA. What's say, going on there? Schefter's doing What's happening there? Is he doing coverage. the he's, he's doing the draft still, though. He's doing the draft. Football is still you know, 99.9% of his livelihood. But uh, he is a hoops junkie. And that's something that I think has changed in recent years. Um, and it's, it's become like for him, it's for him, basically anytime he's not covering football, it's almost like you're getting, it's, it's, it's a microscopic vacation. So I think for him, like going to these NBA games is enjoyable. It's work, but Mm -hmm. it's fun for him. So it's been fun to see that and, uh, gives hope to us all that, uh, listen, I'd love to one day dip my toe into other sports besides football, but I also understand that like, first of all, trying to master one craft is an important thing. And second of all, if you have a lane, sometimes the best thing to do is just stay in it. People like you for a certain reason or want to have your opinion for a certain reason and want to hear your opinion, it's okay to live right there. So you're telling Gronk to stick with football and stop getting in the WWE ring? Is that what, you, is that what you're saying right now? You know something, though? If there was one sport that I could immediately like transition to and cover in some capacity, it would be WWE. The issue there is, like, what, why would people care about my opinion? We'll find out. Well, no. I, honestly— you guys do WWE now. Oh yeah, on we, ESPN, we are, we're big on the WWE stuff right now. And you got the coach, cool. got the coach Jonathan Coachman, who does every Tuesday night. They do something. Uh, they bring a new superstar in each yep. week, which is cool. And you know, listen, it's I, I get it. Um, it is script entertainment. It's predetermined. We understand. We know that. that we're not naive to that. It's also an incredible level of athleticism involved from mm-hmm. the top to the bottom of the roster. And I would imagine that if you put the popularity of the WWE up to a lot of other Sports that people talk about and are around the clock keeping an eye on. WWE's audience is huge and it's consistent. It may be the most consistent audience in the in the professional sports world if you want to consider it a sport, because of the fact that every single week they've got what at least at least two nights of televi- televised action mm-hmm. every single week. And not for nothing, but you have a lot of. I think where it works on ESPN is you have a lot of pro athletes interested whether it's watching it and paying attention to it and going to events while they're 
currently pro athletes yep. or former pro athletes getting involved and even current pro athletes getting in the ring like I just said Gronk. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there's that mix too where you could pick somebody from every team, I think, in every sport that loves the WWE. That's why when you go in locker rooms, you see them with championship belts. Exactly. You know, the Super Bowl champion every year gets the WWE championship and, and they have it at, at their parade. And don't you feel like every offseason or every, well, I guess NFL offseason, it's like every no matter where the WWE is that week, there's at least like one pan to the crowd shot where it's like, oh, we're in Green Bay today. Like there's three out of the five Packers defensive linemen and Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb. I'm just making that up, yeah. obviously. But it always feels like there's someone involved or the NFL, sorry, the WWE finds a way to get NFL guys involved, even if it's a matter of just like looking at them in the crowd and showing them going nuts. Yeah. And you, I just want to, you grab your phone during that. I want to let you know that if you do get breaking news, you let me know and we'll stop the show and you. You give me the timeout. The I'll give, Zach, you the time give me outside. the Zach Morris timeout. That's like and, the actual like, hey, I, like, give me, give me thirty and, seconds. Hey, take you know care. what? I, guess what? This is why I have the studio to myself and this show, the Danny Picard show, because we can edit whatever we want, yep. and nobody will even know that That's you right. took a call. The so BG just, just give me the Zach Morris yep. timeout when you get that breaking news, because hey, look, busy time of year. The NFL draft begins Thursday night. Do you? enjoy the new primetime format or did you like like it better when it was just on the weekends there was something to be said for that nfl draft weekend when it was saturday and sunday um just because it was like i used to just you know i grew up in this area grew up outside of boston Mm. and i used to just like basically bury myself uh in front of the tv for two straight days it was usually like 12 to 9 on saturday and then like 12 to 6 on sunday whatever it was um and it just was it was all there and used to get a major kick out of all of that. Uh, when I was working in the NFL, my first year, I'm sorry, the first year that we did, the NFL did a, a primetime draft was I was in Kansas City working for the Chiefs at the time. And we had the f- sixth pick in the draft that year, fifth pick. So we, we ended up taking Eric Berry. It was pick six. And that, because of the, I think maybe the excitement of having a top six pick in what was considered a very strong draft, we were already buzzing about the possibility of adding a player like him that the prime time only amplified the sure. excitement. Yeah. So I'm okay with it. Um, you know, covering it now in some ways that, you know, the, the trade-off is, listen, if you're going to have to work, you know, consecutively three straight days, like I, I suppose I'd rather have the possibility of a quieter Sunday because of the way the NFL draft is formatted now versus mm-hmm. having it, hey, Saturday, Sunday, yep. you're tied up no matter what. This is just splitting hairs. You're, I mean, at the end of the day, so no matter when it takes place, it's exciting. We, listen, we, we are selling hope during the NFL offseason. 32 teams are selling hope. Not all of them actually have hope, but that's what we're doing. And the draft is, at the central, is one of the central points in that. Did the Thursday night primetime, so you worked for the Chiefs. Yep. I mean, how much did that change? The I don't want to say the preparation, because obviously the preparation takes place long before Thursday afternoon, Thursday morning. But I mean, is that a change that, that you needed to get adjusted to, or was it kind of easy? It, the biggest thing was just that you know, the first day of the draft in the previous format, the first round picks were between what, 12 and 3 p.m.? Thursday, you know, NFL guys, and this is everywhere you go, no matter what team it is, no matter what job it is, everybody gets in early, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you get in at, like, 7 o'clock, and that's considered very late in the NFL. So you have this whole day where you're you're there at 5.30, and you're like, all right, well, the hay is in the barn, right? You're not doing any more draft. If you're doing draft prep the day of the draft, something's wrong, right? You haven't studied your guys enough. You haven't prepared enough. So uh, you're you're not doing a bunch of extra work. All right, so you get in the office normal time, and now you have to wait until 8 p.m. or you know when we were in Kansas City, 7 p.m. because we were an hour behind on Central Time, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're there until midnight, and then you're right back in it tomorrow. But again, you wait until 8 p.m. 
So uh, that was probably the biggest change. Just the idea that that day, which was already a long one, felt way longer. And now you're at ESPN. How long have you been at ESPN for? The first event that I helped cover at ESPN was the 2012 NFL Draft. So five, basically five years ago. Because uh, you covered the Patriots for ESPN Boston. Right. Because so I used to see, I was covering the Patriots for Comcast Sportsnet New England. Yep. So we at used the to time. run to it at the locker room all the time. Yep. And uh, so ESPN Boston was sort of, and I think and now it's sort of everything falls under the same ESPN umbrella, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. But that time ESPN Boston uh, it was Mike Reese, who was holding down the Patriots beat as he still does and does it as well as anybody, uh, period, now with ESPN. Um, he had, you know, the, the Patriots had two first-round picks that year. That was the year they got Dante Hightower and Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit more of an appetite for, hey, like I might need an extra hand here tonight. Um, and also with uh, Mike Rodak there, it was like, you know, um, it's it was enough for all three of us to stay busy. Well, then we move forward. I started doing more and more with the Patriots during OTAs and training camp. And it just was one of those where ESPN is a company. I think this is indicative of any large, big company is if you can do one thing, can you do two? If you can do two, can you do five? If you can do five, can you do 10? If you can do 10, can you do 20? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not saying I do 20 things, you know, professionally, or I say at at the highest level of ESPN, but just the idea that the more you can do, the more you can do, which is part of the old Bill Parcells mantra. So I've been doing things since then. So almost five, basically five years. And my role now is, uh, you know, covering the NFL at large, talk about the fantasy football podcast. That's but you're doing a lot of, of TV. You're like in Bristol. Yep. You're I'm always on NFL Insiders. When you, you t- yep. put on ESPN, you know, you're on there. Sports yep. Center, NFL Insiders. And so you were in Bristol. You were part of that during Deflategate. Yeah. And I have to ask you, because back here in Boston, we crushed ESPN. And I was part of that. I mean, I looked up at the screen and I saw... On ESPN, people that were taken to Flakegate to a level that I never thought it would be taken. And so we crushed them for that. You were part of that. But you're also a Massachusetts native. And I just kind of want to know, like, where was your head at during that time? And what was your reaction to both things? What was your reaction to where ESPN was taken? And what was your reaction to the criticism that ESPN was receiving from back home? So I'd say this. The first thing I always say about Deflategate, which I'm glad, I think we're all glad it's over, is that there isn't a playbook for how you handle something like that. Like, we have no, we, there's no, uh, there's, there's nothing we are sort of juxtaposing this against, right? Like, yeah, we've, we've had a situation like this in the past where this is how we covered it accordingly. I mean, it, we're talking about PSI, Stanley. Like, I had to have, I, mean, I can't tell you how many people asked me what PSI even meant as we're talking about it with these strong opinions and these, uh, you know, these, these debates and, uh, you know, all the trickle-down impacts of it. So uh, both locally and, you know, at national networks, I think everybody was sort of figuring out along the way, how do you cover this? Uh, I, of course, I was, you know, following the coverage both locally, uh, radio, TV, et cetera, you know, even on the written side, of course, as well, and then also what was going on at ESPN. Um, I just say that um, – Things tend to, with the NFL, we tend to draw things to the extreme period. That just seems to be the way things are. Mm-hmm. Um, think about stories that have taken place, good and bad, on and off. Like, right, you know, I mean, like, it's always about, uh, you know, immediately after a Super Bowl, we're crowning someone as a Hall of Famer or, you know, greatest of all time in the case of Tom Brady. So the NFL tends to elicit extreme emotions. Um, I think what I, I found myself being disappointed, not in someone specifically, but just the idea that we're talking about the, the PSI of footballs. And it's overshadowing the fact that the Patriots put a hurting on the Colts that day, like an appreciation of what they have done for 15 years now. That's the part that you're like, 
are we really still talking about this, mm-hmm. guys? Like, can we just give this a rest? Like, if you think the magic behind the Patriots' greatness is 12.5 PSI versus 14.5 PSI. You're nuts. You're nuts. You probably don't know if the football is pumped or stuffed. You know, like, that's just ridiculous to think that. So I was disappointed that anybody, wherever they were covering it for, if anybody took it to that level where it was, hey, because of this, because of these footballs, that's why that, that expl- it's almost like that explains it all. And yeah. I think there are people who don't root for the Patriots or don't live in this area who were waiting for something like that to emerge. But there were people that that I witnessed, that I saw, who should know that and still went out of their way to, to, to make that case. And, you know, that frustrated me. And it frustrated a lot of people around here. But, but I, I, I will say this. Trent Dilfer said on the air the day of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl pregame, what you just said. You know, he had, I believe, it was Steve Young and uh, Ray Lewis and... He said to them, I'm surprised where we're, where we're going with this story. I'm surprised with what we're doing, especially based on the fact that this is a league where every team stretches the boundaries of the rules. And he looked at Steve Young, and he was talking about, you know, what they did with their roster, right, when they were winning championships. And, you know, he pointed out some other things. And so he said, that was, to me, that was the best thing I heard the whole time on ESPN, and it came from Trent Dilfer, and you sort of just expressed the same sentiment. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the air pressure in a football to the point where there's no way, whether it's a little under 12, or even if it's over 13 and a half, there's no way that this is going to make that much of an effect. There's no way that this is going to affect the game so much where it helps a team win a championship or lose a championship. I just think that we had misplaced aggravation over this issue. And I know it's not specifically the same thing, right? But uh, maybe five weeks before the AFC championship game, there was a chilly day in Minnesota in December. The Vikings and the Chargers were both found to have heated footballs up Mm -hmm. to soften them up, whatever it was. I'm thinking to myself, not one person cared about that. But... So misplaced aggression is something that I think to myself, that's just wasted energy. What would, do we really care? Are we are we mad because we think the PSI of footballs – again, this is for anybody who has an opinion, whether you do it professionally or not. Are you mad because you think the PSI of footballs impacts the game? Or are you mad because uh, – you know, is this is this more about the suspect, and the, you know, the person involved or the people involved than mm-hmm. it is the issue involved, which – you know, you just hope that people, if people have an issue, if it's an integrity of the game issue, it's about the integrity of the game. It's not about, hey, you know, this is the this is the Patriots, so yeah. this is a bigger deal. So no matter where you are, whether you're someone who, you know, whether you're across the street from where we are right now and, you you know, you just love football and that's your issue with it, or if you're someone who does it in a professional manner like me, I think it's, as long as you have a reason to be, like a justifiable reason for your opinion, you're allowed to with that. You're, 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 you are allowed to have it. I'm okay with it. All right. So I, I may not agree with it. Yeah. Deflategate is coming gone. I didn't bring in here to just talk about Deflategate to get two. God, it's so I, I know. And I look, I just, I had to ask because, you know, I believe you're the first person from ESPN who is in studio on this show. Yep. And we spent so much time on Deflategate. There were moments where I did think of people like you. I thought of other people at ESPN that I knew where I'm like, all right, we're crushing ESPN. We're not necessarily crushing these people. And I guess I wonder how they feel about it, especially if they're ESPN employees who were from this area. So I felt the need yeah, uh, to, to bring it up. I don't think that, I mean, and I have, I, I have people who covered it for ESPN. If you even, there are people that, whose opinion you probably disagree with. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for it. They do their, and this, so this sure. is, again, this is like, this is just anybody who has an opinion on Deflategate. 
whether again you are you know the guy picking up his coffee across the street mm-hmm. or somebody who's on a professional news network, sports or news network. Like as, I'm okay with your opinion as long as it's you, you can sort of give me the reason why you feel this way. And the Patriots, you know, they have done their job, and I think the flake gate is now is over, right? It, especially it'll over. be over on Thursday it'll night. It'll be over on Thursday that, night. When, or I guess Friday, that whatever, draft whatever day the draft pick is actually, I guess so that'd be Saturday. So on Saturday, the flake gate officially kaputs, done, over. Beautiful, yep. beautiful. I, I mean, it's it's. we'll end it right here. How about okay. that? Done. We'll end it right here. But um, we'll get to some draft stuff. I do need to ask you about the Patriots offseason because this has been a crazy offseason. I mean, you go back to the Brandon Cooks trade. The Stefan Gilmore signing, Coney Ely trade, you know, I'm 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 missing some things, obviously, Listen, uh, a- along the way. There's a lot, you know, lot. Rex Bring Burkhead. Yep. Burkhead has been brought in. Uh, you know, they've retained Alan Hightower Brand. is coming back. They got Deron Harmon back in the fold. You know, they did lose a couple of pieces. They lost Bennett. Agency. They had traded for Dwayne Allen yep. before then. What, what do you think? the goal for Bill Belichick, because I've heard some crazy theories that Belichick and Brady are getting ready for one last, one final dance. Not and and I can't buy that because if, if they do have that, what people think is the final dance and they're going for it this year and they win a championship, you mean to tell me they're going to walk away? There's no, no way. way. If, Tom, if they win, there's no way Tom Brady's walking away after this year. So that that's not what, what they're doing. Right. What are they doing? What's the Patriots... Because this is a different offseason. Keep this in mind. The Patriots now have locked up uh, for next year. Like, So let's just look ahead to next year, right? If the idea that they were all in, it would be like they're compromising what next year looks like. And next offseason, the Patriots' most notable free agents of players that are, have been around the team previously include Nate Solder and Julian Edelman, two pieces, two big pieces of the puzzle, two outstanding players. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malcolm Butler as well. Um, if they don't, That's if they don't get deals done with these guys. But... They've taken care of James White. A lot of the key pieces of this roster are locked up long-term. They've got over $20 million of cap space as currently constructed. They don't have a lot of draft picks, but Danny, like, look at that roster. How many spots are actually up for grabs? And people are always like, yeah, you know, it'd be great if features have 10 picks. Okay, that means you're going to have 10 picks and probably, probably cut five of them. Do you want to invest, you know, five draft picks in guys and then cut them? For them, it's about, listen, we are willing to trade a pick for a player that is a certainty on our roster going forward, a la Brandon Cooks, and all of a sudden be in a better position or just as just as strong of a position as last year to compete for a championship. I can't look at what anything they've done this year that, to me, is so far off track from what they have done for 15 years to make them successful that makes me feel as though their mindset has shifted. Yeah, Brady is going to be 40 when training camp starts. You know something? I just go back to this. If you ever... Look at how he played last year. If you can find one single physical sign of regression, I'm, in, I'm all in on hearing it. I can't find it. I just can't. I don't know. And I get uh, father time catches up to everybody. And, and historically, there is not, there's, there's basically zero precedent for sustained success at the quarterback spot beyond the age of 41, 42. Mm-hmm. I get it. I also say that there are some players in certain sports that are genetically just one of one, right? Like Brady, probably one of one when it comes to quarterbacks. I'm not saying he's beloved in these circles, but LeBron, probably one of one physically from an NBA standpoint. So maybe Brady is the trend bucker on, on his own. What happens with Garoppolo? I, I, you know, yeah. you have to bring up Garoppolo when you talk about Brady because if if you're on the same page as me with Brady, and it sounds like you are, that Brady's not just giving it one more go, and he they're going to commit to him as well for the next three to five years. Garoppolo has one more year left in his contract. Your colleague, Adam Schefter, we talked about earlier, 
He's adamant. They're not moving him. They're not, and they're not. I'm just telling you they're not. You're telling me they're yes, not. They're not moving him. It won't happen. He'll be on the roster this year. I think the best way to think of it, people are like, well, look, at this is a guy that you could turn into the 12th pick, for example, in the draft. For example, the 12th pick in the draft. Maybe that's true. The Patriots also look at it as we have the most important position in football accounted for accordingly. The greatest player perhaps ever in mm-hmm. Tom Brady and a backup in Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make around $920,000 next year if something happened to Tom. And, of course, you don't want anything to happen to Tom if you're the Patriots. Of course not. And he's been incredibly durable throughout his career. But if something did happen to Tom Brady and he missed game, a game or games, the Patriots are ready to just keep rocking and rolling with Jimmy Garoppolo. So if you know, you've got – and the other thing to keep in mind is you – know, I don't think you're buying this specifically. But um, if the team does you know, next year have enough cap space, they could use a franchise tag on Jimmy Garoppolo. And it would basically be a placeholder that would allow them to set up a trade to somebody else. Uh, although teams will invest in quarterbacks in the first round this year on Thursday night, they're going to be more than probably eight or ten teams that need a quarterback again next offseason. If Jimmy Garoppolo was franchised, the Patriots, if they so desired, could orchestrate a trade with the snap of their fingers. They're going to have to find a way to have the cap space because you have to have a certain amount. Of, you have to have the cap number in terms just of in case under it. he stays right. just, around. Just a place to tag on him, you have to have that much cap under that number, yeah. Right. So it, it's going to take some financial planning, but I wouldn't be surprised if the team at the end of the year, if, if they don't believe he's going to sign an extension with them, which I have a hard time personally seeing, but it could happen. Uh, they say, listen, we're going to do a deal. We're going to do a, a franchise tag for you now, and we're going to try to trade you. And to me, they could get comparable value next year as, as they can right now. Maybe I would be surprised surprised if they couldn't get at least a first-round would, would they lose leverage, though, I don't think in so. that situation? Here's the thing. The price to pay for a quarterback is always going to be significant. Teams act not out of character, but teams do desperate things to get a quarterback. There's going to be an owner that's going to say next year, he's available. If it takes a first-round pick this year and a first-round pick next year to get him, get him. That's where it's going to be. Okay, well, let me ask you this then. What if they do that? And what if they don't get a suitor for Jimmy Garoppolo when they, they do don't, that? And then they have to pay him? No, then they could revoke the franchise tag, and they could subsequently you know, just let him, be, let him go free and then probably get a compensatory pick the following year. But I'm just – and I know the circumstances were different. But on September 1st of last year, mm-hmm. Sam Bradford – who could have been the team's backup quarterback in Philadelphia, was traded for a first-round pick. Yeah. Teams are going to pay. Someone will come call. Somebody will. All right, then that means the franchise tag won't be available for Malcolm Butler. Correct. Which brings me to Malcolm Butler, yep. because I kind of felt like through all this Garoppolo talk that it would make sense to, to trade him now, not just because he has one year left in his deal and you could get something pretty good for him right now, but also because it would open up the franchise tag for Malcolm Butler. I mean... I love the idea of Malcolm Butler playing next year for the Patriots at $3.91 million. I saw you tweet the other day. He signed the restricted free agent tender, but that doesn't mean that he still can't be traded. Um, Where are we with Malcolm Butler? And I guess, what do you think is going to happen with this situation? I mean, I would love to see him play for the Patriots at 3.91 mil. And I think the Patriots should, you know, unless they're going to get number 11 from New Orleans... They should keep Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is going to be on. I would be surprised if he's not on the Patriots in 2017. Things could change again, but, you know, the draft is sort of a soft deadline because the comp- the compensation a team was willing to offer for Malcolm Butler is almost certainly a draft pick this mm-hmm. year. I think if you're the Patriots, the least of your, like, the worst thing that could happen to you, the worst thing that could happen to you is you've got Malcolm Butler one year and $3.91 million next year. Is that a bad thing? 
less than four million dollars for a starting cornerback, and then your you know your starting cornerback duo is Stephon Gilmore and Malcolm Butler with a combination of Eric Rowe, Deron Harmon playing some in the slot, other developmental players on your roster as your as your 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 next man up at cornerback. Like that's a pretty good problem to have if you're gonna, if you're going to consider it a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the biggest issues with this uh, situation with Malcolm Butler has been this. He's not a free agent, but I think his agent has, I think the desire has been to be paid like a free agent, right? So people are saying, you know, why doesn't he get Mal- uh, Stephon Gilmore money if he's a better player than Stephon Gilmore in your eyes? Which I think a lot of people would say he's a better, you know, would, would have a reasonable case to say that. Here's the thing. If Stephon Gilmore was not an unrestricted free agent, he's not going to make five years and $65 million. Malcolm Butler's not an unrestricted free agent. He's not on the open market. If he was on the open market and he had multiple suitors vying for his services, mm-hmm. he'd probably get that deal. But you know something? A team is saying, okay, well, we have to get Malcolm Butler by paying him all that money and then potentially paying the Patriots or trading the Patriots a first-round pick in a year where the cornerback market is, is widely regarded as as deep as it's been in probably 10 years. So I think teams look at the opportunity cost and say, five years, $65 million from Malcolm Butler plus a first-round pick, or we keep our first-round pick, take a guy who over the course of his four- or five-year contract could make you know, 35 40% of that money and also be younger. So that's, I think, where teams are certain of, sort of hesitant to move on Butler, which is why I think, like, listen, if you're the Patriots like, and you couldn't find a number that, that worked for both sides, it's not much you can do here. And if you're Malcolm Butler, I understand took you a visit to New Orleans and there's been some interest there. Mm-hmm. If you're expecting both the contract and the compensation, that's tough. It's just a tough thing to execute. That's it's part too of much. The reason why, it's part of the reason why restricted free agents at the first round level rarely change teams. And I guess that, that brings the question that we've, we all had here when they signed Stefan Gilmore to the big deal. You know, look, Malcolm Butler does have a right to be upset with that. I mean, Malcolm Butler won them a Super Bowl, Super Bowl 49, and he's played his balls off for this team ever since, and he's been a damn good cornerback. I mean, he deserves to get the contract from the Patriots, and yet they give it to Stephon Gilmore. So so I guess the question is, why would they give it to Gilmore and not Butler? Because they, if they, there's only way to get Gilmore. If you want him, the only way you get him is pay him $65 million bucks. That's the only way. You can't, you can't just say, hey, Stephon Gilmore, we'll give you a medium. You know, if people, I think people would be happier if, if Gilmore's deal was five years and let's call it 50 million. No, I think people would be happier if the story was Malcolm Butler got the multi-year extension and, right. and he was paid like their number one cornerback and maybe that Gilmore wasn't even part of the equation. Well, but if the Patriots said to Malcolm Butler, listen, you've got one year at $3.91 million, you have to factor that into some sort of you know, extension we're going to give to you. If Malcolm Butler's desires contra- contractually met the Patriots, uh, exceeded the Patriots' offer, what they were comfortable with, then that may, you know, that may have closed the door on a deal before Gilmore was even a thought, a, a, a point of conversation for them. Mm-hmm. They may be like, dude, we can't even, like, if we have no chance of getting you, we have no chance of keeping you because we understand what your, uh, what your demands are, what your desires are, then we have to, it behooves us to look elsewhere. If they pass, if, if they lose Malcolm Butler in a year and they have no other cornerbacks, you know, they don't have the other cornerback spot solidified, it's a problem. And listen, uh, the Patriots are as resourceful as any team probably in, in, in the league. But if next year Malcolm Butler was gone and they had no Stephon Gilmore, people will be saying this team has got a major need at cornerback. A major need. And also, mm-hmm. by the way, Stephon Gilmore has been up and down, up and down for sure. But there's no doubt in my mind that Stephon Gilmore uh, is a player 
that some people believe can be as talented of a cornerback as the Patriots have had in quite some time. I mean, I mean not, not Revis level, but he's a really good player. Yeah, I mean, I, look, Gilmore is a good player, nice player, but I think we were all shocked that that was like the first move that was made and was sitting there looking at Malcolm Butler going, well, why is it going to Malcolm Butler? Now, since it's been, since the Gilmore move was made and the money was given to him, I've kind of looked at the Malcolm Butler situation and said, you know what? The Patriots, it's not fair to the kid, but they kind of have him by the balls with that $3.91 million first round tender for the reasons you said. It's going to take another team too much. The contract and the compensation for New Orleans, all right, they got a deal in place, fine. But you also have to give up number 11 overall. They don't want to do that. And I just think that's too much. So I looked at it and said, if you're the Patriots, unless New Orleans is giving you number 11 overall, you should just play this thing the way the rule says you can, which is keep Malcolm Butler under 3.91 mil, and he's going to play. Okay, he's not going to not show up because that's not going to help his case next year or years beyond. So I I like the idea of having both Gilmore and Butler. It's not how I would have drawn up, drew it up though, coming into the offseason. But this whole offseason was not how anybody here in New England would draw it up. You know something? Maybe next year, maybe this next season, things change. They can, right? I mean, a player could see that his performance is dipping a little bit or you need to have an injury, something that could change your mindset a little bit. So I'm not slamming the door shut on Malcolm Butler getting a long-term deal. In no, but they want to take it year to year with him because well, right they now they can't take it right now. They can. So they have it within their rights to ideally, like there are some players, they don't, they don't look at it that way. They're not like, yeah, we should take it year to year with him. We they say, you know, like Gronk, right. They locked him up for two seasons. They were like, Hey, listen, we're going, we're going big here. Um, and th- that deal has proven to be one that if Gronk stays healthy mm. and plays a duration of it, mm. Will be every year and under. Well, he will be underpaid relative to the marketplace, right? Yeah, but Gronk, that's a situation that people question. Now, I, I look. Listen, I've taken calls on. The, I've taken calls on the radio, and people are like, "Hey, you got to trade Gronk now." I say that's foolish. He's got a contract that's affordable. Uh, obviously, they won without him, but you can't deny the Patriots are a better football team, and that's a, that, that's a scary thing for the rest of the league. But the, it's true, the Patriots are a better football team when Gronk is on the field. So. But what's the relationship like there? Because you do see, we mentioned it at the beginning. He's in the he's in the ring at WrestleMania. Um, think, he's got the injury history. He's think, he's he's been on Twitter saying some things. Last year said something about the, you know, the the, the contract and and how right now maybe, you know, he could be getting more. I, I mean, he's hinted towards that on Twitter. What's the relationship like right right now between the Patriots and Gronk? Good, good. It's where it needs to be. I mean, here's the thing: is if Gronk. If let's say Gronk had played this entire year, Danny, and been dominant tight end, as in like at his peak value, maybe that conversation rears itself where they, um, you know, they are talking, I don't know, whatever, top of the market, make him the most expensive tight end in the in the NFL, sure. whatever it is. Problem is, he just missed whatever it was. He missed eight games. If I'm not mistaken, the stat is this. After Gronk went to IR, the Patriots either went 8-0 or 9-0. You know what their average margin of victory was? Over 19 points per game. Oh. So this is not the time that Gronk is going to be saying to himself, hey, you know, what do you, you know, like, pay me. I deserve it. That's, he, he may well deserve it if he's healthy. But right now, the Patriots, they, don't, they have no issue with Gronk. He was named the team captain last year. And that's voted on by your teammates. But don't you think that you would vote a way that's reflective of what you think, of what the coach preaches day to day? Don't you think that's, that's part of it? You know, like, you vote yeah. for the captain, right? Mm-hmm. But don't you think a captain is typically a player in their eyes, especially in this locker room, where you feel as though this is someone who is, like, this is someone that I think, that I think stands for what our coach is preaching. 
you know? Yeah, and I don't want to get rid of Gronk, but, you know, there are some people that have wondered where they see him in the WWE ring, and uh, they see the injuries, and, and people wonder what the relationship is like with the Patriots and Gronk. You say it's good. Uh, you say Jimmy Garoppolo's not going anywhere. You think that Malcolm Butler is going to be a Patriot in 2017, which I love to hear. And, and the Marshawn Lynch thing, also with Richard Sherman, we heard those reports that, you know, Lynch was going to come back if it wasn't the Raiders coming to the Patriots, and then Richard Sherman would then want to be traded to the Patriots. I mean, at some point I'm looking at this stuff, I'm like, all right, the Patriots offseason has been a little bit different where they've gone a little nuts yep. this year, and they've made some crazy moves and some crazy acquisitions that I never expected them to make. Yep. But Sherman Lynch was just too video gameish for me. Like, I think there was one point where people lost their minds, and they thought that was realistic. That was never realistic, right? Well, I don't know specifically about their level of interest in terms of Richard Sherman. I know Jeff Howe reported that Lynch was interested in playing for the Patriots. Now, we'll see what happens with him in Oakland. So I don't know what the level, what the team's level of interest would be uh, in, in, in Lynch, even if he was interested. Even though no, him wanting to play for them is different from them wanting to play for him. And if they don't want to have him, then, you know, it's for him, it's... Yeah. Not much he can do. Sure. But it's fascinating, right? I mean, he's a fascinating guy. He's an incredible. He, he's, he's, he has had an incredible career even after sitting out last season. He's a, he's a fascinating character mm-hmm. too, right? Funny guy, someone that I think people sort of gravitate towards. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's been one of those years where it feels like every time you see, you think you've seen the last Patriots turn, something else happens. All that being said, it's like, man, we are, like, we are at the point of the year where nothing would surprise you, especially as we get close to draft night. Mm. All right, so I I know you got deadlines, you got you're we're just, buzzing, we're just keeping an eye on you're it. buzzing, yeah, keeping good. an eye on it. Uh, this is cool for me, you know. I'm seeing it yeah. in person. Yeah, I'm always watching you guys on your phones on ESPN, but here we are right now in studio here at Beantown well, Athletics. To, and, I know we're trying to get some, we're trying to get some news pushed across the goal line here. Uh, you know, maybe some Mike Gillisley news, maybe some Adrian Peterson news. Mm. A lot of moving parts here, and that's sort of the beauty of the NFL, right? Is it's April 24th middle of the NBA playoffs, middle of the NHL playoffs, mm-hmm. first month of the baseball season, and NFL is still right on the top of the cranium. And the draft's Thursday night, yep. so... Uh, April 25th is when you guys are listening to this, of course, by the way. Sure. My bad on say the 24th <laughs> a minute ago. Um, What about... All right, the Browns are the number one overall pick. Yep. What's happening there? I mean... Put it this way. There are times in sports where... I always said this. Internal decisions versus how we analyze them externally can be very tough, right? I mean, there are things that you say to yourself, how the heck could that possibly happen, right? Like, um, it's like, you know, everybody is like, why, why did we, you know, why do they do this? Why do they do that? You know, it's just like, we don't get it. It doesn't make sense from the outside. But not taking Miles Garrett would be one of those decisions where you say to yourself, dumb. Like, I can say that with confidence and conviction. Hey, guys, like, that's not smart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not. He's... The best player in this draft, and reaching for a quarterback at pick one and having it and having it not work out, would set this franchise back again. They can't afford to. They just can't like accumulate the value in Miles Garrett. You could walk away with two studs, and you got that look right now. Like you maybe disagree. Like maybe you take no. I don't. Di- I don't disagree. I think he could be a great player in this league. Yeah. he has all the tools. Right, yep. we've seen it. And this I, this brings me back to something, you know, you're going to be emphatic and say, stop asking me about this, stop bringing this up, and I know Schefter would say the same thing. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. Even if they offered number one overall? Well, put it this way, they're not offering number one. Okay, well this, this is, well, this is what I'm getting to. If you're the Browns, yep. right? Yep. And you've been in that, you've worked for NFL organizations. If you're the Browns, you, you need offer- a quarterback. Yep. You need a quarterback. 
if do you ask yourself if Garoppolo was in this draft, would we take him number one overall? Like, do they ask themselves? I feel like they have to ask themselves that. And if anybody in that room says maybe, don't you have to think about move at least offering it to the Patriots? Because perhaps, you see these teams perhaps. taking these, you know, stud pass rushes. The Houston Texans. Phil, come on, the Houston Texans. What's been their one downfall? They don't have a fucking quarterback. They don't have a quarterback. That's right. And now they really don't have a quarterback. That's how they really don't. Yeah. Romo's at CBS. Yeah. Um, put it this way. I don't think they'd ever get to the point where they offer pick one. I just don't think there's a conversation started there. I just don't. I'm, I, that's just me. My from the pa- so from the Cleveland or the Patriots? From the Cleveland. Okay. They value it too much. They just do. That's just my opinion on where it ends up. All right. Yep. I just find it interesting that. You know, you, you're you in a situation you need a quarterback. I understand not taking the kid Drabinsky. I understand that. Yeah, it's a big reach. I understand that. But you have to ask yourself, if, if Garoppolo was in this draft, would we take him number one overall? And if anyone in that room says yes, I think you have to think about think about at least offering that. But, but they'll, you know, they're not going to – I would expect, like you said, that's not what they're going to do. I, I think they're going to take Miles Garrett yeah. and just let logic prevail and say, we'll figure out, like, if you take the quarterback at pick one – you're forcing the issue. My thing is this. If you take a quarterback with, you know, if you use other picks to move back up and grab your quarterback, like let's say you take Miles Garrett at one, and then you take the six, uh, the 12th pick in the draft and the 33rd pick in the draft, which they also own, and whatever else it takes to get back to, let's say, pick six to take Trubisky or Watson or somebody else, mm-hmm. I'd rather force the issue and still have Miles Garrett on my team rather than taking a quarterback at pick one and then having, like, you know, three extra picks, including... Whoever it is, O.J. Howard at pick 12. Yeah. That's just my mindset. And I guess when I look at the Patriots, what are we thinking? What are they doing? Are they going to get some picks early on, or are they just going to settle with what they have? What what are we expecting with the Patriots? I think coming that into the Thursday team night? will probably have you know just five or six picks. And again, I think if you look at the roster right now, Dan, we don't have it in front of us, but yeah. if you took the roster 1-53, to 53, and obviously injuries will impact things, and obviously things will change between now and the, and, the, and the start of the regular season, there are probably like 40 to 45 guys that you say to yourself, based off of ability, contract, and role, are probably lost roster locks, right? Like guys that they've already got their five, you know, they've already got their five um, wide receivers, for example. You've got Edelman, Cooks. Mitchell, Amendola, Hogan, that's five right there. All those guys are sticking around no matter what. You got Slater, you know, like you just start to chip away and all of a sudden you're at like whatever it is, 40 or so guys, maybe 45. So the draft might provide you with five, six guys. Maybe only three of those guys stick because some of those, you know, those draft picks are in the later rounds, which is far from a guarantee as it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots end up with, again, uh, five or six picks, and it's just filling out needs. And to me, the need, the biggest need remains pass rusher. Before I let you go, i got to ask you about, I mentioned Romo. Yep. Are you surprised he's not going to be playing? Not that he's going to CBS? Uh, yes, I am surprised, actually. Um, it would be a, uh, listen, you're walking away from 50 million bucks, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, that's what he's walking away from, right? Like the three, whatever it is, the three, four years left on his contract, plus potentially, or potentially a different contract with somebody else, yeah. right? That's the truth. And next thing you know, uh, but he's – and I thought that, that that deal would have been there for CBS if he waited one or two more years, right? Like, CBS is not going to have waning interest in Tony Romo. Well, it leaves the window open a little bit. It does I leave the window open. Now yes. he said 99%, and he goes to point out in that conference call, he says, you know what? There's a lot of teams in this league that, that don't have quarterbacks that can win, I think he said, 12 games or something. Yep. He points that out. 
I think he points it out because there's one team in the back of his head. And I think if that one team, I think there's one. No, I think it's, I, I don't know. Like Denver? I think it's, yeah, maybe. There's one team though. I don't know who it is. There's yep. one team in the back of his head. That if they came calling, he's going there. Yep. That's what I think he's doing. Fair. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am surprised though that he's, he's going to CBS. Yeah. But, listen, I, I'm surprised because I think it's, it's still, the offer would still be there. And just the fact that, you know, he could have potentially been traded and been a day one, you know, basically been the starter right away and taken over for a new team. So. All right, Field. Listen, thanks for joining me. Thank I you, appreciate buddy. you stopping by. Yeah, and we got you a bottle of rosé from Luke Belair. Let's do it. One of my new uh, sponsors on this show. So enjoy that. Thank enjoy you, the hat that they gave you as well. We'll be we'll taking do. a picture. Let's we'll, do you'll, it. You'll send it out. Yep. And um, listen, enjoy the draft. Go break some news. And great stuff. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, buddy. And you can get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on the Podcast One Network. Also on iTunes, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Picard. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. I am out. Talk to you soon.